Matthew Batt is a professor and a writer from Minneapolis. In 2015, he took a year-long sabbatical from teaching, and to make ends meet financially during this time, he took a few jobs waiting tables, something he'd done all through college. By his estimation, in the span of two to three years, he worked at three different restaurants, and all three closed while he worked there. Matthew said it felt like he was an albatross leaving behind a trail of closed restaurants, and he decided to write about it. His new book is The Last Supper Club, A Waiter's Requiem. This is part memoir and part tribute to restaurants and the world of waiting tables. We begin this What We're Reading conversation with Matthew on growing up in a household without much cooking and a memorable restaurant outing he had with his mother. So I didn't really grow up in a a foodie household per se. Um, I didn't even grow up in a household that um, used the oven. Um, (laughs) Like we we pretty much, um, you know, ate ate carry out or delivery or um, like if if it was like a really banner day, it was like Vandekamp's, you know, um, uh, baked fish or uh, tombstone frozen pizza or something. Um, And so when we did eat out, it was it was a pretty big deal. You know, I grew up like a lot of people uh, in a household where um, it was pretty much me and my mom. Um, she worked like 60 hours a week as a florist and never had the opportunity or never mind the the time or energy to cook. Um, and so uh, when we went out, it was like we knew it was an occasion um, and she'd break out like her like you knew it was a big deal when she got a rabbit for a coat out. And like uh, that was that meant it was special. Um and I think it was on uh, the eve of her, um, what what ended up being her her second divorce, when she took me out to um, Heaven City in uh, McGuanago, Wisconsin, which was this like jazz era um, supper club in in basically rural southeast Wisconsin, and it was just like this epiphanic meal. Um, I'd never had anything like it, you know. There before, uh, a nice meal would have been like. Uh, just simply food that somebody else cooked. Um, but this time it was, I think the early nineties. Um, so in Wisconsin, like we'd never heard of like Alice Waters or Charlie Trotter or anything like that. Um, but, but this restaurant heaven city was serving like, um, proper, you know, farm to table food. Um, and it was just unforgettable, you know, it was, it was unforgettable. And, And despite the fact that it was, pretty simple uh by today's standards you know just like uh local pheasant local pork local cherries um but uh the combination at the time was um just unforgettable one of the things that you mention in the book is i think you do such a great job at describing why we love restaurants you kind of just um emphasize that with your story about heaven city but you have this great description of what restaurants uh, mean to us, what you think restaurants mean to us. And when I read that, I was like, wow, that is so true. So I'm wondering if you could read that paragraph for us. I'd be happy to. Which is what restaurants can do. They cook so you don't have to. They make you feel at home, even though you aren't. Maybe even more at home than you feel at home. Because here, your mom or uncle or grandma or whoever isn't in the kitchen. The kids aren't in the basement. Your dad isn't glued to the game on the tube. You're all at the table. There's a word for this, of course, communion. So that description, I think, really rings true for a lot of us that 
Um, we feel at home. We're getting this hot food and everybody is sitting down and eating together. And I'm curious, though, in your many years of waiting tables, have you seen kind of a change in in what that experience is like for people or have expectations changed over the years in what people expect from restaurants? I feel like the people who tend to get the most out of restaurant experiences tend to be people who are just like open to the experience and, and want to be there for not just their own sake and not just for the sake of nutrition, but um, for the sake of an experience that uh, they're not sure um, what they're going to get. Um, because ultimately, you know, if you wanted something predictable, if you wanted something that was kind of like ordinary, you'd, you'd either just cook for yourself or, um, you know, just go to Culver's or something. And there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> like, I love Culver's. But at the same time, uh, I, I feel like where people get, I don't know, a little uh, out of sorts is when they expect something very specific from a restaurant. And of course, it doesn't end up being what they get. I guess my question is always like, why should it be exactly what you expect? Um, shouldn't it be something like a surprise or an, or an adventure? And that's really what was like the best part of working at um, the brewer's table was even as servers, we didn't hardly ever know what was coming every day. There were new dishes. Um, and if something got uh, really popular, it'd be off the menu by the next week. And it was that kind of spirit of adventure that was just it was exciting to work at. Uh, it was exciting to serve people. It was exciting to to eat there. Um, like just everything about it was unparalleled in terms of you just didn't know what was coming next. This is what we're reading on KAXE, KBXE, and we're talking with Minnesota writer Matthew Batt. His new book is The Last Supper Club, A Waiter's Requiem. Up next, Matthew talks more about the Brewer's Table, the high-end concept restaurant at the Surly Brewing Company. That ended up being the Brewer's Table, um, which was just this surreal kind of um, fine dining concept where uh, Jorge Guzman, the the executive chef who's um, from St. Louis, but is uh, of uh, Mexican and Yucatecan uh, descent, uh, started, started this really cool concept with, uh, Dustin Thompson, who's like got a strong Norwegian Swedish kind of thing going on. Um, and so they merged these, these ideas of, um, Mexican and Norwegian cuisine, which I don't think had ever been done before. Uh, and on top of it all, uh, they did it at a brewery, um, where, you know, that's about the last place you, you tend to expect a fine dining, uh, restaurant to happen. Um, and at the time, I think there was only one other restaurant, like maybe literally in the world, that was pairing like super high-end food with not wine, but beer. Um, and so it was a really like just one-off kind of experience all the way around. Matthew, in your book, you describe a lot of the amazing dishes that came out of the brewer's table kitchen. Did you have a favorite? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I would have to say they 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 made this uh, little take on a Reuben sandwich, um, but instead of it just being like straight up pastrami, um, it was from a, a wagyu beef heart. Um, so they they cured the heart um, for I think it was like ten days in a pastrami kind of brine, um, and then they smoked it over oh I forget I think it was applewood. 
Um, and they served it over this house-made little charcoal bun. Uh, there was this, uh, boy, what did they call it? I, I, Jorge was always like messing with us. He would he would have like super fancy ingredients and then he would pair it with like super ordinary stuff. So it was with, a, I think he called it fancy sauce. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it was like just straight up like Velveeta or something. Um, but it was epiphanic in the way it came together it was like the the kind of i don't know just just the the version of a, a reuben you always want but never quite get because there's you know there's always that one gnarly bit that you get with the pastrami or the bread soggy or the cheese is cold or or whatnot but but this was um you know it was only probably like three bites that you could get out of this but it was just mind shattering so from the way you write about working at the brewer's table, this was a really big experience for you. You were there at the beginning when they first opened. You went through a ton of training with the rest of the staff, and you all formed this kind of family working together. But the brewer's table closed in 2017. Can you tell us what happened? You know, the restaurant was up and down like a lot of restaurants are. We were busy initially and then things slowed down uh, and then the reviews started to come in and they were pretty enthusiastic um, and then all of a sudden uh, we got a um, <laughs> urgent notice that we had an all staff meeting um, and we thought you know oh this is it they're gonna shut us down or something um, and instead they announced that we had just been named one of food and wine magazine's best restaurants in America um, which is a short list. It's like 10 restaurants or something, and including places from New York, Chicago, LA. Um, so it was just nuts that we were on this list. Um, and anyway, from there, like things just skyrocketed. Uh, and then I forget, I think four or five weeks later, uh, they call another all staff meeting and we think, oh, Jorge is going to be like the James Beard, you know, chef, best chef of the Midwest or something. And instead they announce we're closing. And it was just crushing. Um, we we went from thinking we're on top of the world to being like, what what we're we're done. Um, and it was just hard to take it anyway, but personal. Even though I'm sure it was, uh, you know, all business and all money when it came down to it. Um, though of course I I wasn't privy to any of those conversations. Um, but I I think probably the the fact of it is like fine dining in America is is on the decline. Um, and, you know, when you can serve burgers or pizza or tacos and they, they cost, you know, um, pennies per serving, as opposed to what we served, which is probably, you know, pushing three or four figures, it seemed. Um, it's, it's not difficult to understand why, why we, it was unsustainable in the long run. Um, but it really did feel like when we were at our peak, it was just this utopia, you know? We were just, we were more than family. Matthew Batt's new book is The Last Supper Club, A Waiter's Requiem. Published by the University of Minnesota Press, it's what we're reading. I'm Tammy Bobrowski. 